The voice of Motown, West Virginia's leader in news, analysis, and rumors, proudly presents the Voice of Motown podcast, featuring your boys, Brandon and Tyler. Take it away, gentlemen. All right, this is the Voice of Motown podcast. I'm Tyler Peppy. And I'm Brandon Cork, and this is a WVU sports podcast by two suffering WVU fans. All right, guys, before we get rolling, please uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We really want to get those numbers up, uh, and we know a lot of you listen weekly, so help us out and hit that button. We'd really appreciate it. So let's dive right into it. This Saturday, the West Virginia Mountaineers take on the seventh-ranked TCU Horn Frogs, and to help us break this matchup down is our friend Grant McGallard. So, Grant, uh, thanks for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it's good to be back. Had a great time last year. Uh, hopefully the game goes a little bit different uh, from my end, but uh, excited to be back. Definitely. Yeah, man. Um, the game. Yeah, for sure. Grant and his buddy Parker, they're the host of the Purple Theory podcast, and they give fantastic insight into TCU sports. So definitely check them out. Um, let's get into this, guys. Uh, West Virginia is a seven or seven and a half point underdog, depending on when you looked at the spread, uh, which is a pretty big spread for the home team to be down by that much. Um, but not not really that surprising after, you know, the game WVU had last week and how TCU's been on a roll. They're undefeated. So let's start breaking this down. TCU is top 10 in points and yards per game. So Grant, what has Sonny Dykes done that has really revitalized this offense? Because they struggled a lot last year, it seemed like. Yeah, they did. And so it's half Sonny Dykes and it's half Garrett Riley, uh, who's the new offensive coordinator for TCU, obviously Lincoln Riley's younger brother. What they've done with this offense is, I think, given Max Duggan a lot of confidence, first and foremost. Um, he didn't enter the season as the starting quarterback, but they've trusted him to make a lot of throws uh, over the middle, types of throws that he was not allowed to do last year, quite frankly. Uh, they've done a great job of targeting different receivers. Quentin Johnston's obviously one of the best wide receivers in the country. Um, the graduate transfer of Alon Ali from SMU following Sonny Dykes to TCU has been a huge addition on the offensive line. So they've basically done everything right. And that's not a real in-depth answer, but every box you wanted to check on this roster and with this scheme uh, has been done. Here's the weird thing, guys. 10 of the 11 starters on this TCU team were on the roster last year and how bad wow. the offense was last year to how good they are this year. Uh, it's just night and day. So as we've said on, uh, on our podcast before, they basically kind of opened the windows, cleaned out the dust and just let in some fresh air. And it's a, it, it's certainly been really, really fun to watch. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you, you guys have been killing it and you touched on Matt, Max Duggan. Um, I was surprised at being the season to see that he lost his starting job to Chandler Morris. Cause I felt like he was pretty efficient. Um, this year, though, he seems like he's on another level. Um, over 1,800 yards, 19 touchdowns, only one interception. Is Max Duggan really this guy, or is this more of a system thing? He's been my guy for the last four years, so this is really kind of a crowning thing for me. But uh, he's he's a good quarterback. He's not going to be a guy that's going to excel in the pros or anything like that. But in the right system, he can thrive. He's incredibly tenacious, um, but he's been trusted to make more throws downfield. Um, part of the criticism was rightly given to him was that he threw every ball too hard. Um, I think the long that he makes and, and um, the kind of throws he can make off his 
you know, uh, while he's running um, has really opened up this offense. The one criticism actually, and kind of the one downside with what Sonny Dykes and Gary Riley has brought is that Max doesn't run as much as he did in previous years. I think part of that is health, uh, but his legs are maybe his biggest asset. So he's been more of a pocket passer. He hasn't scrambled as much, um, but this is the Max Duggan that every TCU fan thought could exist for the last three or four years. And now he's finally just been unleashed. Yeah, for me watching last year's team compared to this one, it seems like last year they just wanted to run and run until they couldn't run anymore. And then they would have Max throw because yep. they had no other options. Whereas it seems like the offense this year, they, they really tried to compliment him where they used the run game to set up his passing game. And really, I mean, you watch TCU more than me, but that's the biggest difference I've seen in the offense. Yeah. And you look, I mean, his average depth of target this year is 8.5 yards. So he's getting the ball down the field a little bit more, 9.7 yards per attempt. Like you said, 19 touchdowns to one pick. Um, So just kind of opening up and letting him throw on first down, throw on second down. TCU is blessed because they have Kendra Miller and Amari DiMarcado, who are both capable runners that get yards on first and second down. But, um, this is Max Duggan's show, and, and, and they've allowed him to kind of take risks, and uh, it, it certainly paid off. Yeah, yeah I mean, mentioned... sorry, go ahead, oh, Brandon. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, you got it. Oh, uh, sure. I was going to say, yeah, you mentioned uh, Kendra Miller has taken over the starting running back job, and it seemed like at the beginning of the season that was a hard job to fill with Zach Evans and how good he was last year. But so far, he's run with the job to, you know, not to make a pun, but – uh, 730 yards, 10 touchdowns. So how does he differ against Zach, Zach Evans? Is he a different runner? And do you think this team is better without Evans? So they're both great. That's the thing. I mean, uh, at one point this year, I think through three or four games, um, the number one and number two running backs of the country in yards per attempt were Zach Evans and Kendra Miller. And that was, you know, obviously with Evans at Ole Miss. Uh, no, I, I would love Zach Evans to be on this team. Don't get me wrong because he's an incredible athlete, but Kendrick Miller is, he just makes guys miss. And, and that sounds basic, but he's forced 40 missed tackles this season on 120 rushing attempts. So that's one out of every three attempts he's making guys miss. 6.1 yards per attempt, 10 touchdowns. And, and this is the key, 3.73 yards after contact per attempt. So that's insane. TC, yeah, it's nuts. And so TCU's offensive line has gotten better run blocking wise, but if you watch a game, Kendry's going to spin out of tackles. He's going to shed tackles um, one or two yards past the line of scrimmage and then get seven or eight. He's just a hard guy to bring down. He's not particularly, you know, he didn't have the greatest straight line speed. He's not a big guy. He just knows how to elude defenders. That doesn't yeah. bode well for um, our second line defense. If our <laughs> defensive line can't stop him, I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of missed tackles because our secondary and at times our linebackers have a really, really rough time consistently tacking, tackling and wrapping guys up. So I'm scared. <laughs> you also yeah. have one Stills brother, at least. Puts it in my heart. I've got one. That's that's enough. That's true. It seems like a lot of teams just double team him, though, because, I mean, this, the secret's out. If you just contain him, there's, there's not a whole lot of other guys who can step up. Um, and, and we are notorious for taking really bad angles. So <laughs> hopefully we can stop him with our D-line. But, I mean, he has been tearing up. He, he's gone over 100 yards for the last five games. 
And um, it seems like he's he's got uh, a good complimentary back as well. I mean, you brought him up earlier. Is it Di Mercato? Is that how you say his name? Amari Di Mercato. Yeah, he he was kind of a punching bag for TCU Twitter and, and uh, for a while just because last year there was Zach Evans and Kendra as a freshman who was already showing signs. And then they just kept running Di Mercato, who was kind of like the old guy on the team, but no one knew why he was there. But this year, every time you're like, oh, my God, why is Amari DiMercato in the game? He breaks a 40-yard run. Um, so he's kind of really – he's come along a lot this year. He actually has 6.6 yards per attempt and uh, an average of four uh, yards after contact per attempt. Um, he can break big runs. He's a great, like you said, change of pace back and just a, a guy to spell Kendra Miller. He's a better pass blocker. Um, Kendra, God bless him. Is, is not great when it comes to blitz pickup. Uh, so Amari plays a valuable role, and uh, TC is lucky to have both of them. Yeah. Yeah, and looking at your, um, you know, back to your passing game, you you got, again, one of the best wide receivers in the NCAA this year, Quentin Johnston, who was good last year, but, man, he has yeah. really emerged. He is uh, just a nightmare matchup because of his size, his speed. He's already uh, almost matched how many yards he had last year. And, um, you know, the game that really sticks out is that Kansas game. He just looked unstoppable. Uh, He's only got three touchdowns, but, um, you know, I'm sure that number could be higher if they just threw to him more in the red zone. So is he living up to expectations? Is there more that he could even do this year? What were you guys thinking coming into this year? Is this what you expected? For sure. Yeah, no, um, just seeing glimpses of what QJ did last year, you knew he was something special. Um, You're right in that the Kansas game, certainly on the stat sheet, is the most impressive game of a TC wide receiver in the last five years or so. I actually really loved his performance in the Oklahoma State game because in the Kansas game, TC was clearly trying to force QJ the ball. And Garrett Riley and Dykes have done some really interesting things where they almost won't focus on QJ for a game, and then the next game he'll get 10 targets. Um, and they'll try to get it to Darius Davis, Tay Barber, some of the other wide receivers. Um, but when they want to get the ball to Quentin Johnston, they get the ball to Quentin Johnston. Um, he, he's a freak athlete. He's six foot four, got incredibly long arms, uh, he, and, and he's fast. The one downside to QJ, and it's not even a downside, his hands aren't the best. So if you look, he's got, a, and I want to make sure I get this correct, um, five drops this year on uh, 60 targets. So that's what about a, a little under 10% of every ball thrown his way. He's going to drop. He's also going up against the best cornerback on every team every single week. So some of that has to do with how good the defense is, but he's a freak athlete. He's pretty much always open when he wants to be. He's got great straight line speed. He can make acrobatic catches. He's everything you want in a wide receiver. Um, and, and some of the plays he makes are just remarkable. The big question is, and I don't know if we have any Philadelphia Eagles fans out there, but is he better than Jalen Rager? Yeah. So, <laughs> I, as I was saying, the Kansas game was the best stat sheet in the last five years. I was like, since Rager. Uh, <laughs> but then I was thinking about what Rager's done in the pros. Jalen was really fast. He was a Swiss Army knife. Quentin Johnson is a better wide receiver than Jalen Rager was. Uh, not as fast, but a, a better receiver. Yeah. That's a good and, comparison. The scary thing for West Virginia secondary is Johnson's not even the only guy you got to worry about. You got you got 
a guy named Davis who mm-hmm. um, is, is really good going side to side. That seems like their speed guy, whereas Johnston is more of the guy who's going to stretch the field. And so even if you take away that deep threat, you you got guys who can even, you know, cut us going side yeah. to side. So it's kind of scary. Yeah, Darius Davis averages 13.1 yards per reception on an average depth of target of 2.9. So oh, he wow. gets the ball on screen. Yeah, so he gets the ball on screens, uh, just kind of those little drag routes over the middle. Um, and he, he's the fastest guy on the team. He is a absolute burner. He returns kicks and punts for TCU as well. Uh, he's had games, the, uh, the Oklahoma State game, if I remember correctly, was just kind of a nightmare for him. Uh, fumbled a punt, uh, just made some really interesting decisions and had some bad drops. But when he is on, uh, he's impossible to guard one-on-one. He's not going to make any acrobatic catches. He's, he's kind of a littler guy, but uh, in space, he's really hard to tackle. And, and it's interesting, and I don't want to preempt any questions you have, but TCU has used him and Tay Barber, who's kind of a similar player, almost interchangeably. So if Darius is winded from a pump return or, you know, if they've gone to him several times, taking kind of fill in that other slot role. Um, so TCU has, has deep talent at the wide receiver front. And it's really paid off. Um, and like I, like I said earlier, they've been able to change per game who they target to kind of keep the defense off guard. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great for you guys because, you know, WVU, we'll get into our offense later on. But, you know, we kind of run the same guys out there every time. We really don't have too much flexibility. And I don't know if that's a depth issue or a coaching issue. But uh, it, it's great to have depth and being able to interchangeably use guys, um, you know, to, to kind of, you know, close out the offense um thinking about the guys who just really don't get any credit the offensive line um you know sometimes you can look at pff grades and they're indicative of what a group is and other times systems can kind of make them look better or worse so tcu how do you feel about that group of five you up have up front uh not not great um <laughs> so like i said a lot of coming in was a great transfer he he took over the center position and Steve Avila moved over to guard. Um, that's kind of the centerpiece of the offensive line, that middle <laughs> and then right guard with uh, Ali and Avila. The tackles are an issue. Um, Andrew Coker is, I don't want to bury a kid. Andrew Coker at right tackle is sort of the, it tends to be the weakest link on the offense. Um, he's penalty prone. And he gets beat by defenders quite a bit. Brandon Coleman on the left tackle is better than he was last year. Certainly. Um, there's still a lot of improvement that needs to be made. I've honestly been really thrilled with their run blocking, even though, like you said, the, PF, the PFF grades may not reflect that. I, I think this line's gotten a lot better when it comes to blocking on the ground. But with capable defenders, especially at the edges, um, it's it's still the weakest point of the offense for TCU. I will say Dykes did uh, improve one aspect, which is that he brought a real-life offensive line coach to TCU, which – and the pass has been held by a guy um, who was just kind of a coach that floated around TCU. I won't get into the details on that, but he was not a real offensive line coach. So now TCU has one and improvements are being made, but it's still sort of the weak spot. Interesting. So, you know, given, you know, how, what you've seen from TCU, TCU this year and kind of what you've may have read or watched of West Virginia so far this year, is there really any sort of, worry that you have against facing WVU's defense outside of maybe Dante Stills? Yeah, I, I'm, this is not a reflection on West Virginia. I just think TCU's offense is really good. Um, 
Parker, my co-host, has uh, CFBGraphs.com. You can go look there at all the offensive stats. But TCU is, I think, eighth in the country in uh, EPA per play. Um, they're sixth in the country in EPA per rush and 20th in the country in EPA per pass. So this is a, a unit that is just absolutely running on all cylinders. Um, they have scored over 30 points, I think, in every single game this season. Um, they put up 40-something on Oklahoma State. It did take two overtimes, but that's a great defense. Um, the offense is not what I'm worried about when it comes to TCU. I think they can pretty much score on anybody um, as long as they get a little bit of blocking up front. Yeah, I think, um, you know, from a WU perspective, I think you can take probably whatever you expect point-wise and multiply it by like (laughs) 1.2, 1.3. Our defense has been terrible, especially in the secondary this year. So um, I'm kind of worried for Saturday to see how high that scoreboard number can climb. Can I give one more plug real quick on the offense? Just because I didn't oh, mention absolutely. it before. Definitely. And, and as I said, Sonny Dice and Garrett Riley will totally change us up this week, and I look like an idiot. But against Kansas State, uh, Jared Wiley, who's a tight end that transferred from Texas, um, really showed out. He had his best game of the season. I think he's an absolute weapon. He's six foot five. He's a big body. He just gets open over the middle. Um, just keep that name in mind um, because on third down and seven, third down and six, that's a guy that will run an eight-yard curl and be open and just block out the defender. Um, so I want to make sure I got his name on the record just because I was impressed uh, as I could be with his performance against Kansas State. And I, I hope that they feature him more in the offense. Yeah, and in the Texas Tech game, um, they, they used a couple tight ends, and um, they didn't target them a ton, but they targeted him kind of like what you said on key plays where they mm-hmm. really needed to get a few extra yards, and it was really effective against us. Now, given some of those guys were like, I forget what they said. They were six, eight, six, nine, like absolutely ridiculous monsters of human beings, but um, our linebackers can't cover. So I have a feeling that Wiley is going to have more yards um, than he's going to know what to do with. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, we have a similar problem, which I'm sure we'll get to, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was looking at Wiley earlier. I saw he has, he's got four uh, receiving touchdowns this year and WVU definitely has had an issue all year with guys coming right up the middle. Cause I feel like they get burned so much on the outside that they start cheating. And so that's definitely something we got to look out for, but um, just based on what you told us about your offense, it seems like the only way WVU has any hope of slowing them down because this year we just are happy if we hold teams in the thirties, that's like a good day for our defense. (laughs) It sounds like the only way we can even hope to do that is if we um, try to put a lot of pressure on max and, and, and see what he can do with uh, guys in his face. For whatever reason, WVU did not want to blitz Texas Tech. And they would just sit back in his zone, and they were getting shredded. So I really hope they learn from that and are more aggressive. But do you see that being an issue for Max if we do go with that strategy? Does he handle pressure well? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's sort of the weak part of his game. In, in recent years, he would scramble out of it, but he's not scrambling as much anymore. And in fact, he's holding on to the ball too long. Um, and he's taken sacks that he probably hasn't. Um, this is per PFF, but kept clean. He's, what, 75.7% completion rate, 16 TDs, 9.5 yards per attempt. Um, under pressure, he's only completing 46.7% of his passes. So he's he is a capable thrower on the run. He's just holding on to the ball too long this year. Um, I can go – there's some mental aspect where I think it's because he's so excited that coaches are finally trusting him that he wants to make throws and it's kind of killing him. Um, 
but yeah, that's that's a weak point of his game. And if West Virginia, if y'all can get pressure, then that's that's going to be key to slowing down the TCU offense for sure. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, um, we change up our strategy a little bit of what we did last week. But um, let's flip gears a little bit. Defensively, the Longhorns rank in the bottom half of the NCAA and in, in most statistics. Um, do you think this is due to the speed that the offense plays at, or do you think uh, your defense is just not very good this year? Oh, I, I think it's interesting because we're TCU switched from a four-two-five to a three-three-five, uh, bringing in Joe Gillespie as defensive coordinator from Tulsa. Some of that is adjustment and the personnel just getting used to the new style of defense. Some of that is that I think Gillespie is a really great in-game adjuster. So if you look at Oklahoma State and Kansas State, TCU was down by seventeen, down by eighteen in those two games. Kansas State put up twenty-eight points in the first. 20-something minutes, but didn't score past the eight-minute mark uh, in, in the second quarter. Um, so the defense has some flaws. The linebackers cannot cover the pass. Um, the pass rush is pretty much non-existent, but the back five is exceptional in covering the pass. And Mark Perry, who's a transfer from Colorado, has been great in run support. It, it, it certainly is the weaker side of the ball, but I think there's enough strengths and enough smarts on the coaching staff to adjust mid game and, and, and sort of, uh, you know, plug the holes as they're occurring. That's interesting. Uh, it feels like you're reading right off of our, our script and we didn't even, you know, send it to you beforehand, yeah, but uh, we actually had Mark Perry up next. Yeah. Uh, he's your leading tackler. Um, and I was surprised to see that you had, a safety as your leading tackler. Cause most of the time, you know, you're expecting to see a middle linebacker or something along those lines, but um, it seems like they move him around a lot. I've noticed that he lines up in the box at the nickel um, mm-hmm. occasionally um, at the safety as well. But that um, do you feel like his tackles are more of a product of the lack of playmakers in the, the front seven, or do you think he's just kind of that guy? Well, I, I think it's kind of a combo of both. And I think also in that three, three, five, you know, you'll have sort of the two covered safeties who for TCU is normally, it was normally Miller Bradford and then a combination of Nnamdi, Obiazor and Josh Foster, who kind of played that sort of, you know, if you want to run cover two, whatever you call it, I'm not a scheme guy, but they're more on the back end. Mark Perry kind of plays more of that nickel safety where he's up front uh, and kind of providing that little bit of extra run support. Um, instead of a six man box, you might have a six and a half where Perry is coming down from the top. So he, he's been great, um, both in terms of serving as a, as a deep-level spy for a quarterback and also kind of fleshing out those um, outside runs, options. Against Kansas, he was outstanding uh, in that offense, that light bulb runs, where there's those you know really stretch options, and someone has to come down and cover both the quarterback and the running back, and Perry was great in that. So he, he's a great run support guy. I, thank God TCU doesn't rely on him in the passing game because that's not a strong suit, but he's – by design, he is there for, for run support. So it, it does make sense that he's the leading tackler. Um, it's, it's just a different scheme than what TCU has been used to, where the two linebackers were, would kind of fill that uh, spill and kill role. Now Mark Perry's doing that from safety. Yeah, and I, I know WV ran a three three five for for such a long time, and it reminds me of some guys like, you know, your um, Tyler, you'll remember Eric Wicks, Mike Lorello, guys like that who really kind of – played in that safety role really was disruptive in the backfield um, and really, really huge weapon, especially against teams who want to run the spread on the outside. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how he uh, performs against WVU because um, right now our running backs are pretty banged up. Um, so I'm hoping we still stick with the run, but 
last week against Texas Tech, we were down to one healthy running back that we had. And man, he was exhausted. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know if you guys um, listened to Neil Brown's press conference, but he announced Tony Mathis is out. CJ Donaldson's getting the start. And um, uh-huh. we're still not sure if Justin Johnson's playing or not. So we might even see some Jalen Anderson for, you know, other than the FCS school, we played pretty much, you know, his first real reps this year. So um, it'll be interesting. It's funny you talk about how um, Perry's getting all these tackles. I was actually listening right before we hopped on here, your your co-host Parker on Coos's podcast, and he was talking about how that's pretty much by design. They have those linebackers and linemen trying to fill gaps, and then Perry just basically comes up behind them and cleans it up. So it makes a lot of sense, and it sounds like it's working to perfection if he's already got that many tackles. Yeah, TCU's run defense has been surprisingly good this year. Um, it, it's not certainly not the best in the nation if you look at, uh, again, CFB graphs and Parker's nerd stats, and they completely disprove me. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's the better half of the defense. They're 58th in the nation in uh, EPA per play on defense, and they're 78th in EPA per pass on defense. Um, so it, it, it's the better aspect of the defense for sure. Again, I think a lot of that is due to the linebackers' inability to cover the pass. But, um, yeah, it, Run defense-wise, I think TCU held Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State to under 100 yards, which was his lowest output of the season. Deuce is a monster uh, for being 5'6", or whatever he is, and uh, they held that really well. Running quarterbacks are always a weakness, um, but but other than that, TCU's run defense has been pretty stout. Yeah. Now, do you, ahead, do you like the switch from uh, the four two five to the three three five? I know WVU kind of runs a little bit of a hybrid scheme, so – I'm just interested to get your perspective on the three, three, five. I, I like it because of the personnel that TCU has this year. TCU's defensive linemen have been sort of a weak point over the last couple of years. Um, there hasn't really been a pass rush. Um, there's been a lot of hits and misses in recruiting. Um, so I think the switch has said, Hey, we have a lot of really talented guys on the back end. Um, we have a good linebacker transfer and Johnny Hodges from Navy. D winters is solid. Jamoy Hodge is coming on. Let's just remove one of our weak spots and then just add another guy to a linebacker core that is talented at, 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 you know, the first line, once you get into the depth chart, it gets a little weak, but the first three are really good. So let's just focus on them more. Um, I, I, I really like the switch. It's certainly something new, um, but it, it's worked for TCU this year. Yeah. Um, so that, that's your run defense. Let's talk about your um, passing defense a little bit. Uh, do you have an elite pass rusher? Is there anyone WVU should really keep an eye on anytime it's third and long? No, is <laughs> my answer. Um, no, uh, Dom, uh, Dominic Williams, who's a true freshman, is great at nose tackle, and he can kind of muck up some plays. Uh, on the edge, there isn't really anyone that's that's been outstanding. Um Dylan Horton is probably the best pass rusher, and that's, if you'll pardon a curse, that is damning with faint praise. Um, there's been a couple of guys. Johnny Hodges on blitzes uh, has been effective, but there's not really a guy that has uh, stood out in the pass rush. No. Yeah, the one guy that I noticed that led the team in snacks was Winters, but I was surprised to see, I think he had six sacks, but only like, I want to say it was 15 total pressures on the season, yeah. which... That conversion rate is outrageous. <laughs> it's outrageous, but they need him in the passing game uh, to kind of cover those running backs because I'll just get into it now, and I don't want to, again, preempt any of your questions, but Jamoy Hodge and Johnny Hodges, 
first off, confusing to say their names back to back. Second off, they are not good in pass defense. The best pass coverage linebacker. So they kind of need him sitting back there to cover running backs, tight ends, slot receivers, because uh, otherwise it's going to be a nightmare. Kansas did a great job of manipulating TC's linebackers. Um, Kansas State did the same. Uh, so that that's kind of the weak spot. And that's why Winters isn't racking up more sacks uh, and more pass rushes is because he's needed to kind of play that role um, in, in pass coverage. Yeah, so, I mean, it sounds like TCU doesn't want to, you know, send a lot of guys, which is good for us because when our offense gets rolling, they can put up points. But the way teams have slowed down our passing game is they they basically just press our outside wide receivers who can't get separation, and they send heavy pressure. Um, do you think your defense or secondary is built to do that? You said you like your linebackers to drop back, but um, the blueprint's pretty much out on how to slow us down. Do you think – you have enough talent to go with that strategy? Yeah, especially in the back five. I, I think if you look at uh, Travis Hodges Tomlinson, um, who is an outstanding cover corner, um, you look at guys like Bud Clark, who I've been on Bud Clark Island for years. He can kind of play a hybrid corner safety role. He's outstanding. He's had a couple really key picks in the last uh, few games. Um, and then you go to the safeties. Uh, obviously, Mark Perry is great in, in run defense, but uh, Miller Bradford, the artist formerly known as Nook Bradford, he changed his name going into this year, um, has, has been great. Uh, Josh Foster's really come on. There are a couple weak spots. I'm not crazy about Josh Newton uh, at cornerback. Um, Noah Daniels has been hurt. I really like him. I wish you could see the field more. But like I, uh, like I said, Travis Hodges, Thompson, and Buck Clark are a heck of a one-two duo. Um, and, and so I like those guys on the end. Uh, Abe Kamara, I can't believe I haven't said his name yet, is an outstanding corner. He's not going to pick off any passes. He might not even break up passes. But if someone catches the ball, he will be there to hit them. Um, he has pr- provided some of the best hits on defense for TCU this year. So there's a lot of talent in that back end. And I'm, I'm confident – enough that the defense can adjust make the necessary uh, make the necessary plays to keep TCU in the game so yeah I'm, I'm I think the back five is the strongest aspect of the defense interesting so um I, I'm not sure how much WV football you've watched this year but um you know our offense outside of the Texas Tech game has been pretty solid it's been kind of night and day compared to last season um you know we have a good tandem of running backs which unfortunately coming into this game has went from a trio to um <laughs> Potentially a one-man show. One guy, um, yeah. But yeah, we have two two really good receivers in Bryce Ford Wheaton mm-hmm. and uh, Caden Prather's really come on strong. So, you know, kind of looking at this matchup, do you feel like WVU is going to be able to move the ball or potentially even keep up in the scoring race against TCU? Yeah, I, I think especially with, with the – I don't want to say best players, but JT Daniels is certainly a good quarterback. Uh, and, and, and Bryce Ford Wheaton scares me every time I see his name on the roster. There are certainly opportunities for West Virginia to make big plays against this defense. Um, like I said, I like our back five, but they are prone to giving up one or two plays where you're like, man, like someone really should have been there to cover that. So, yeah, I would expect Bryce to have a long touchdown. I would expect um, Caden Prather to get involved. Um I'm looking now, I'm curious about slot receivers for West Virginia. Maybe y'all can educate me if you don't mind, but Sam James seems to get the most uh, snaps at slot. How is he? What's your opinion on him? He's so uh, We have Sam James ahead. as our main slot receiver. He's not bad when he's catching the ball, but this is his fourth year, and he is notorious for getting drop happy. So, I mean, if he's holding on to it, he can have a big day. 
but he can also just drop some very critical, you know, third down passes too. Our other slot guy is Reese Smith. And, you know, occasionally he'll make an incredible big play downfield. Um, but for the most part, he's not anyone who's, you know, going to yeah. win the game for you. So, um, yeah, it sounds like the slot is where we need to attack TCU. And the biggest guy you got to worry about is Sam James. Yeah, and so the reason I ask is because TCU is actually, I think, pretty decent at shutting down the opponent's best wide receiver. Um, if you look at, for example, the Kansas State game, say, last week, um, Malik Knowles, Phillip Brooks are obviously Kansas State's two heavy hitters, but it was Cade Warner that decimated TCU, uh, had a great catch um, that it should have been a pick, and Cade just snatched the ball away from uh, the TCU defenders. So I, I think Gillespie may focus a little bit uh, too often on the opponent's quote-unquote best players, and then those kind of underneath guys or the, the second guys are the ones that make the plays. So um, I'll, I'll be looking at Sam James as sort of the I don't want to say key matchup, but a guy that I will be worried about if I'm a TCU fan. Um, how does TCU cover that player, especially if uh, Travis Hodges-Thompson and Abe Kamara are focused on uh, Bryce um, and uh, and Caden Craven? Another now, guy who feel like... is uh, number four, Jeremiah Aaron, who they've been kind of trickling in here and there. And I think he's got a lot of potential, but um... – you know, if if we are having success over the middle, I hope they give him some reps because I think he could potentially make an impact on the game. What do you think, Brandon? Yeah, I, I was just going to ask um, in terms of how defenses are attacking TCU. Do you feel like um, TCU is more susceptible against um, throws to the outside or more across the middle? Yeah, it, it's to the outside, and it's it's when they're in one on one coverage and. Like I said, I, I like THT and I like Abe Kamara and Bud Clark, but sometimes, look, THT is not a big guy. He's like 5'9". And if you have a big wide receiver, you can make plays against THT. Um, who was it? Uh, Rashi Rice from SMU. Absolutely. Three of those catches should have been offensive pass interference. That's neither here nor there. But but he was sunning THT for the first half of that game. Um, so it's, it's, it's on those kind of deep one-on-one throws on the outside where TC is getting beat. Kansas did the same thing with Jason Bean when he came in um, and threw those outrageous passes down the field. So over the middle, I, I think TC is pretty solid, but those safeties coming up to help. It's on those deep outside passes where there's, there's threats to get burned. That bodes well, I think, for WVU because for whatever reason, um, Graham Harrell's offense kind of funnels things just to the outside. And now that may just be because Bryce Ford Wheaton and Caden Prather are, you know, just our two best guys by a long shot. But, um, you know, that's where we've been throwing the ball the most. And, you know, the one thing that I think it could hurt WVU potentially, you know, I'm happy to hear that you guys have a smaller corner because against Texas Tech, they had, I think both their corners were 6'2", 6'3", and Prather 6'4". Uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton 6'3", and they really just negated that size advantage they had with the size that they were bringing to the table against it. So um, kind of something you can't control, but um, it's another weakness of WVU's receiving core. Yeah, that's a weird thing about TCU, and I I guess that's sort of how the school has to recruit because they're not going to get, you know, the big corners that Texas or Texas A&M or, you know, name your your school uh, in Texas will get. But a lot of – TCU's best cornerbacks have been smaller guys. Um, uh, and Jeff Gladney being the obvious uh, exception there. But um, 
it's weird. There's a lot of five nine dogs on TCU's roster, and they can do their best, but sometimes they just get matched up against a bigger guy, and there's not much you can do. Um, THT's five nine one eighty. Um, I'm looking now just to find uh, Bud Clark and uh, Bud. So Bud six two, and and that's helpful. But again, he kind of plays more of that hybrid safety role. Uh, and then Abe Kamara is six foot, so he's he's not. They're not overly big. Uh, THT's really small, but he's also the most technically gifted corner. So it's kind of a you know, mix and match type of thing for TCU. Yeah. So, I mean, before we talk about the rest of TCU's schedule, um, you know, is there, in your opinion, as a TCU fan, is there any chance of an upset here? Could they overlook WVU? Because they have played four straight ranked teams. And, of course, they've won them all. But, I mean, that can wear on you physically, mentally. Are they looking past WVU by any chance, do you think? God, I hope not. No, I, I don't think you understand. I, West Virginia has won four straight games against TCU, and they've all been the most miserable games I've ever watched. Uh, the 2019 game, TCU had to win to make a bowl and completely laid down. It was, uh, it's the worst game I've ever been to. I, I hope they're not overlooking West Virginia. There's absolutely a chance for an upset. TCU has dug a lot of holes in the first half. And if they continue to do that, they're eventually going to dig a hole that they can't dig themselves out of. So hundred percent, there's, there is a chance that TCU loses. The game. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, if I'm a betting man, obviously I'm not picking WVU to win, but is there a chance? I absolutely think there is because I was looking at TCU's schedule and right after West Virginia, they got Texas tech and Texas. And not only are those two talented teams, but those are Texas teams, you know, that's TCU's neighbors. And those are, you know, big games for them that they probably have circled. And so, um, obviously, I think TCU is the more talented team. But I could ac- absolutely see a scenario where the, where they overlook this game a little bit. Yeah, and I think, you know, that trip to Morgantown, um, you know, it is a afternoon game. But still, you know, coming into Morgantown from that far away, it's a different environment. And if the fans show up, which – it's still up in the air on what the turnout's going to be, especially after that loss to Texas Tech. We can get loud, and maybe we can get into TCU's head. So, um, you know, it's going to be a fun environment on Saturday. Um, I'm really hoping that WVU can at least keep it competitive. That way, us as fans can have fun. Yeah, TCU's played interesting road environments this year. I, I was at the Colorado game to open, and I think that was before all the Colorado fans realized how bad they were going to be. Um, so, so there were a lot of people there. Uh, SMU, that was the biggest game on SMU's calendar, especially with Dykes coming back. Um, TC won that game. Uh, Kansas College Game Day was there. So all three road trips TCU has taken have been the biggest games on each school's calendar. Um, I don't know what that says about this game, but I, I feel a little better having some of that road experience with a, a, a rabid fan base um, in attendance. No one is rabid as West Virginia, of course, and I mean that as a compliment, but it's just a it, – it, they are a little bit road tested. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is a tough environment to play in and uh, it's a long trip as, yeah, yeah. as West Virginia knows, because we, we make a lot of them every year, but um, <laughs> uh, if they do get past WVU, do you think TCU is going to win the big 12? Like who's their biggest test? Like I said, they got Texas tech and Texas after West Virginia, which will be tough games. But if they make it past them, they got Baylor and Iowa State. And, uh, you know, I feel like those are teams TCU can beat. For sure. I, I think the two games I'm worried about the most are Texas, um, just because I, I think Texas 
is so talented. I, I am a Quinn Ewers believer, despite the 19 for 49 disaster class he put on still Butler last week, which I got a lot of enjoyment out of. Uh, but but I think Texas and, and then after TCU ruined Baylor's outside college football playoff chance last year, uh, they're going to be out for revenge. That rivalry uh, has gotten a lot more potent in the last couple of years. So Texas and Baylor are the two I'm worried about. Past that, I think TCU should be Texas Tech. They should be a floundering Iowa State team. Um, you know, 10 and 2 is probably the worst this team should do going out. And th- that is insane considering what uh, what we thought at the beginning of the year. Yeah. So coming into the year, were you expecting, you know, Sonny Dykes to tur- turn things around this quickly? Or is this just complete shock? No, th- this is all gravy, man. This is nuts. <laughs> I-, I think Parker and I both had him at 6 and 6. And then we we're like, okay, let's put our, you know, every ounce of objectivity aside. I mean, as biased as we can be, what's the best TCU can do? And we got to nine and three. And TCU wow. had to be, yeah, we have to be two and three over the next five games to get there. So this is a total, I don't know if it's smoke and mirrors or not, but we've been enjoying every bit of the ride. It is, it is all been a surprise and it's all been really fun. Are you That's thinking, that- playoffs yet at all or is that are we still too early? I'm trying I'm trying not to but I am mapping out every potential scenario to get there <laughs> TC would have to be undefeated to get there and again that's that's a, a tough ask but it's it's possible man I I can't rule it out yeah honestly yeah. I would love if TC could make it um over top of you know many of the other number four mm-hmm. options like last year I love Cincinnati getting in um, I just love having a different type of school and it couldn't be better having a, you know, a smaller school in the big 12 getting in um, or maybe not necessarily smaller, but no. less prestigious. Um, Absolutely smaller. There's, there's 10,000 people at TCU. The, the student section was 6,500 last week. That's 65% of the student body was there. And wow. it'd, be amazing, it'd be amazing to thumb our noses at Texas and Oklahoma as they leave for the SEC to just send some tiny school from Fort Worth to uh, to the college football playoff. I, I would love that for so many reasons. Yeah. Same here. I'm with you. <laughs> if it can't be us, I'm, ha- yeah. I'm happy to be yes. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. So um, it, it's fun to have you back because we can kind of reflect on what we talked about last year. And so much has happened. When we talked to you last year, it was right before Gary Patterson got fired. And we were talking about, you know, we were prepared for you to just like shower love over him. And you were talking about how you're not a big fan and you were ready to see him go. And then sure enough, he did, he did get fired pretty much. And then, uh, so what are your thoughts on that? I mean, obviously it's worked out great thus far. It's, it is bittersweet. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I I started at TCU in 2013 and, and, and Gary's a legend. He has a statue for a reason, but he mishandled the end of his tenure so poorly that it became untenable. And he needed to leave. He was making a lot of really weird comments. Um, so it's a good thing that he left. I am very uh, surprised and a little bit disappointed that he took the analyst job at Texas, considering what he said about Texas and other big programs and how much he loves being the underdog and, and you know, the kind of fly in the ointment that can screw up big teams. And him going to Texas feels a lot like a cop-out. Um I hope he's happy at in Austin um, with their four and three record or whatever they are. I, I hope he's having a great, a grand old time. I wish <laughs> him nothing but the best. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. I don't know how much he's making. I'm sure it's public knowledge, but I'm sure money talks there, and I'm sure they gave him a nice little cushy job. So uh, I could see how his 
his mind could change in a short amount of time there. But yeah, but but you look, he was he was making like six and a half at TCU, and that's only what they reported. That there's a bunch of like oil deals and all this stuff that Gary had us anyway. It was a whole thing, but I I, I would assume he's going to be Texas's defensive coordinator next year because I don't think Pete Kwiatkowski's long for this world, and uh, we'll see what he does. He, he's a very good defensive coach, so I, I'm sure he'll he'll thrive. For sure, yeah. There's oh, yeah, no debating that. Um, yeah, yeah, one other thing we wanted to bring up to reflect on last year is we also brought up Jamie Dixon, who West Virginia fans know so well because he was at Pitt for a long mm-hmm. time. And once again, you were saying how you weren't that big of a fan. And then he ends up having an awesome year, a year I didn't see coming. He went, what, 21 and 13, got bumped in the second round. But still, I mean, that was a pretty solid year for him. Hand up, I was wrong. Uh, Dixon (laughs) assembled a really great squad. Mike Miles is a total, total dog. Uh, I was completely wrong about Jamie Dixon. Uh, I loved watching TCU basketball last year. The upset of Kansas is one of the most fun games I've watched. Um, yeah, he completely proved me wrong. I'm really happy to have him here. And uh, I, I think the TCU team, the, the projections are very high, and that worries me. Um, but they should be in the top 25 all year and, you know, a, a sweet 16 team for sure. They, they're really, really good and a really deep squad. Um, if you're not on the Eddie, go watch Eddie Lampkin highlights is my advice to you. He's like 6'10", 280, and it's just a total, like, built like a brick outhouse in the post. He's so much fun. Uh, that that team's a blast, and, and the student bodies rallied around them, so it's been fun. Yeah, WVU basketball is going to be really interesting this year. Um, it felt like we have a completely new team. Um, felt has half the team graduated, the other half got transferred or kicked out, depending on who you talk to. Um, and man, Huggins actually used the transfer portal for once, and I don't know what to make of any of the guys because we really don't have a score at least on paper. So um, it could be a successful year because we Huggins just get to play his style ball, or it could be a, a year where we just don't win many games again because we don't have anyone to score the ball. We'll see. <laughs> Every game ending 55 to 50 is how I imagine West Virginia basketball anyway. So that, that's fine. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Huggy will figure it out. I, I trust him. <laughs> yeah. Any game like that is good for us. In fact, WVU just had like this top secret scrimmage against Dayton, who of course, you know, Dayton's a pretty good team. And um, by all accounts, WVU won by a good amount. They forced a ton of turnovers. Granted, Dayton didn't have their top two guys. but um, So it sounds like it, it is going to be a very defensive-heavy team and that the defense has improved. But, I mean, for how bad our defense was last year, you wouldn't have to be great to be improved. <laughs> That's how I feel about TCU's football defense this year. It, yeah, there are weak points, but it's better than it was last year. I'll, I'll take the 3-3-5. Three, three, I'll take a 2-4-5. I don't care. Just do something different. Yeah. Well, uh, hey, man, thanks for jumping on. Brandon, you got anything else for Grant? That's all I had. No, that's all I had, too. This was great. I think this is um, super helpful for me and then anyone who's listening as well. I think, Grant, you bring a ton of knowledge to the table, especially when it comes to – TCU football and what we should all look out for. So we really appreciate your time. And this has been fantastic as always. Yeah, guys, I, I enjoy it. I would hope to do it again next year. Hopefully uh, I'll be talking about the defending national championship Horn Frogs. But uh, hey. I, I, I loved it. I'm rooting for yeah. you. And everyone go listen to the uh, Purple Theory podcast as well. I know we talked about it at the beginning, but um, give them a listen on their platform as well. They, they do some great stuff. So uh, thanks again, Grant.